Hey guys, and welcome to another episode of the Human Connection Project podcast. We are all about empowering connection to develop psychological resilience and emotional well-being in our community, because now, more than ever, we need human connection. I hope you enjoy this episode, and as always, make sure you share it to someone who you feel this can make a positive impact on. Alrighty, guys, welcome back to the Human Connection Project podcast. We're up to episode 12 now, so we're flying through, uh, and we have Anthony on the uh, show, I guess, today, if we can call it that. Someone who I've been following his journey personally for a while, obviously works in similar space to myself, but I had the pleasure of sitting on a panel with you, I'm going to say maybe six months ago with the Asai Bros event, Uh, Movember, so November. Uh, and it was an absolute cracker and I learned so much about you from that quick session. So I'm not going to steal your thunder and take away your introduction for you. Um, but what I want you to start with is what got you to where you are today as Anthony, not as Anthony from Awaken Lifestyles. I think that'd be really pow- powerful and potent. Yeah, cool, man. Absolutely. Pleasure to be here. Um, what got me to where I am today? Well, I guess that would have to be, you know, my story and my backstory, uh, where do, where do I start with that one? It's pretty long. And how long have we got? But I guess the, um, look, mate, the 30-second version would be I, um, I guess I grew up in Brisbane, middle-class kind of family, really loving, caring family, well-to-do. Um, and, but for some reason, always had this sense inside of me that I just, just carried this feeling that I, as I am, I was somehow not good enough. You know, I'm like flawed and defective as a human being. And uh, I, I don't really feel safe to be myself. And so I need to somehow be someone else or fit in in order for you guys to like me. And I guess I carried that for as long as I can remember. And um, I tried to do that. Like I tried to uphold that. I tried to kind of, you know, fit in and, and whatnot and be the guy that <clears throat> was likable, I guess. And I did a whole lot of that, but I still carry this, I guess, this emptiness or this miss, missing piece inside. Um, at about 13 years of age, I tried taking drugs like I smoked pot and um, it's like I found that missing piece is the best way I could describe it. It was like that part that was missing, that connection that was missing. It was like I found it. I went, oh, wow, this is amazing. Um, and I felt like I was actually a part of something for the first time in my life and I decided that this is awesome. Why doesn't everyone, like I actually didn't understand, why doesn't everyone do this, man? This is amazing. Like I actually, I actually feel safe. And I actually feel like I can be myself, you know. And so, uh, you know, to, to, for a kid that had found something that made him feel safe, I decided, well, this is a great opportunity. Let's do this as much as we can. Um, so I started doing that every single day and that kind of progressed. You know, by at age 15, I was using heroin, speed and other drugs and that kind of progressed again further. And by the time I left school, I was, you know, shooting up smack every day, um, doing all the things that heroin addicts do, went to all the places heroin addicts go, you know, completely burnt my life to the ground, mate, you know. Um, and, yeah, in search of pain relief, I guess. I guess in search of pain relief. And short term, it worked really well. You know, anyone who's used drugs, you know, short term, it feels awesome. <laughs> That's why we get high, right? Uh, long term, though, it became really, really painful. You know, a lot, lot of suffering long term. Um, and so I guess, you know, that's kind of like the – the, the juicy part of the story. There's a lot of stuff within that, 
you know, but I guess, you know, from there, I just, at about 24 years old, I got clean and I decided to, to get clean and sober and, and, and I've been clean and sober since, you know, over 11 years now. And I, I guess that's where I actually started to seek real connection. So I guess connection with myself and find out who am I? you know, like, and what's important to me, like when you've been anesthetized for over a decade, like literally every day, I didn't know a lot. I didn't know a lot about myself at all, you know, or who I was or what I liked. And I just, you know, lived this completely different lifestyle. Um, and so it was a real process of, I guess, uncovering that and learning that, you know, um, which then went into all different types of areas, like, uh, which I'd be, be happy to kind of cover on. But the, the crux of it was that I began seeking outside, like looking outside of myself to try and feel good about myself on the inside, you know? So I started looking for things outside of me to make me feel okay. So whether that be looking a certain way, you know, I was overweight, I was a heroin addict, I wasn't, you know, particularly well liked in the community and rightly so. Uh, I was unemployable, you know, uh, I was on the highest legal dose of, dose of methadone and so I'd rock up to the, the clinic or the um, pharmacy, you know, with all the junkies and um, get treated like a junkie, you know. And so I tell myself that uh, if I can change, if I can look a certain way or if I can make lots of money or if I can attract a, a really good-looking woman and, or if I can do all this stuff, then I'll feel okay about myself. Then I'll be happy, you know, uh, and I'll be postponing my happiness to the future. And obviously when I was using, I couldn't really do any of that or well, not in any kind of meaningful or healthy way. Um, not any way that lasts, put it that way. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and, and so I started doing that. I started looking for that stuff. I started training, you know, which was a really healthy thing for me, but it was also a way for me to try and chase value or worth within myself, you know, uh, and I found the same thing as when I was using drugs, you know, I found short term, I'd feel really good. I get a big deadlift or I get a compliment in the gym. You know, I was really overweight and looked like a junkie cause I was, and then I lost all the weight and started to look like I was fit because I was, and people treated me differently. Mm. And so I started to go, Oh, I'm, I must be a pretty good bloke. You know, <laughs> and short term, that would feel good. Short term, I'd get a little bit of a high, like we call it like a shot of value. I'd get this little shot of value and, but then I'd come back down again, you know? Uh, and so then my head would have to set the next thing. Okay. So you pulled this big deadlift or big bench or squat or whatever it was. Now you need more. And I, I guess in that, in that vein, you know, I ended up winning a, a bodybuilding competition and for a brief time became the heavyweight Mr. Queensland. And uh, I got there and for anyone who's done bodybuilding, it takes a lot, you know, it's a, it's a seriously um, demanding kind of sport. And I got there and I'd given so much, so many years of training to get there and dieting and blah, blah, blah. And I got there and I was like, is this it? Like, is this it? Like, was that it? You know, like my head told me that when I get here, I'm going to be the man. It's going to be amazing. And all this shit's going to change. And here we are. And I'm like, still feel empty inside, mm. you know? Um, and then I can speak to all different areas of my life where that was the same experience. So there, I guess what I'm saying, there was a point where that shifted and I started going, okay, like, you know, I say often I'm really lucky because we work with clients who come to us and they say, when I get the job and when I get the house and the holiday house and the car and the three kids and the dog and the, you know, uh, and I've got all my degrees and shit, then, then life, then I'll have made it. 
And the bad thing I see for them or the, the, the challenging thing I see for them is for them to achieve all that. It often takes a couple of decades, mm. if not more, you know, for them to get to 50 years old and realize, holy shit, it's not like the postcard. You know, I find myself really grateful because I came from quite a low base. What I wanted to achieve didn't take me that long. And I got to find out that quite quickly, you know, and I realized within a few years that, wow, every time my head tells me I'm going to be happy when, it never actually works out. Yeah. It always keeps pushing the goalposts back. You know what I mean? Yeah. We always use that analogy. The goalposts just keep keep progressing further. The more your goals are outcomes based, they're just you're always chasing, and it just makes perfect sense when you're setting outcomes based goals or achievements like the degrees. It's just like oh, they're further and further. Like I finished a degree, okay, now I need to go further from postgraduate. And you're like, oh my god, exactly, exactly. And and people are dedicating years to this. Right, and I don't, I don't think there's anything wrong with getting a degree if that's important to you. But it's the idea that I had, at least, was that that would somehow make me more valuable mm. as a human being, or that would somehow make me more lovable or worthy. And what I found is that that's just not true and not possible. Right, so that's where we started doing the inner work. You know, yeah, like, so tell us a little bit yeah. about the inner work because I think the journey to get there, uh, so journey for me is always something I look at it, it's kind of defining what we're going to get into. Uh, so you've obviously been through a bunch and you've set now input, input-based input goals to put it very uh, simply for our listeners, input rather than outcome-based goals. The inner work you're now doing for your clients, touch on that and tell us exactly how we're, we're taking, let's use uh, Billy Bob go-to name billy bob who you know he's let's say he's 30 years of age and he's saying all these things that you talk about like oh, i'll be happy when i get this when i get the car the wife the kids the the white picket fence analogy is what i quite commonly do because i was someone i was someone who was yeah, like totally, every time i did goal totally. setting with lululemon like just only a few years ago i was like by 30 i want the dog the kid the white picket fence, I can see the house. Like I was so outcomes driven. Uh, I've obviously done a lot of work on myself now and that's the space The space you're in. I'd love to hear a little more about that because I know a lot of people need to hear and want to hear it. So how do we take Billy Bob from that point? Yeah, man, yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, so I guess um, first and foremost, I want to know, like, does Billy Bob even know who he is, right? Mm-hmm. Why is he? Why have you set these goals? Why are they important to you? Are you just doing that because what, that's what dad told you to do or that's what your peers are doing or that's what you think you're supposed to be doing? Like what, who even are you, right? And when I say who even are you, like what are your values? You know, what's important to you? Because you're telling me you really value, uh, you know, connection and freedom and fun, but you're signing up to be an accountant and be chained to a desk for the next 30 years and be disconnected <laughs> from everyone in your life right? Like, but these are your values. So either your values aren't right, like you're not clear on them or you're making choices that aren't in line with your values, right? And what I know for certain is that when I make choices that aren't in line with my values, even if I get the outcome, I'm not going to feel fulfilled. I'm not going to feel satisfied. So what we would do, man, is, is, is work out, okay, well, what are your values? What's important to you? And where am I abandoning myself in the attainment or in the service of those values? Right? Where am I not being true to myself within that? Um, 
also kind of just getting clear on, you know, for every single client that ever comes to us, we work with what we would call high functioning humans. So mostly people who have tried lots of other things and not got there, but they can also demonstrate they've had an ability to overcome hard shit in their life, right? Unless they're willing to, you know, be able to do the tough work, they're probably not ready for what we do here. Yeah. And typically they're looking for already have external success, but they're missing that in the fulfillment piece and they want both. Yeah. So uh, I guess in any client we've ever worked with, there's going to be one thing holding you back only and that thing is going to be fear always, right? Like, and we believe that there's three core fears that that they're going to distill down to. Right, so uh, one being a fear of powerlessness and hating to like feeling out of control. Yeah, so that's where we try to have power over my environment or overthinking or anxiety will start to come up because I'm trying to control everything and be one step ahead and make sure that I'm the this particular person. Next fear would be what we call like a fear of abandonment, worrying what other people think about me. What happens if she leaves me? What happens if she cheats on me? What happens if I never find the right chick or, or, or man? What happens if everyone knew that stuff about me? I could never do that, wear that, say that, post that online, fully be true to myself because of what might happen if or because of what they might think about me. Now, what happens, and that stuff makes sense, it's normal to, to, to care about what other people think. We're herd animals, so we need each other to survive, right? But where it becomes an issue is I decide, okay, I never want to have this feeling of abandonment and the only way I know how to do that is by abandoning myself and not being true to myself, so that's where I'll take the job that I know isn't really right for me, but it's because I should do it, you know, or I'll, you know, settle in the relationship that I know I don't really want to be in, but, you know, it's safe. We see that one so commonly, you know, like at option A, like we see people stay in careers for the business cards. You know, oh, I love that. I love that. Card. Yeah. And it's like, I don't, like, I don't even have a business card. Everyone's like, oh, do you have a card you can me? I'm like, no. Same. <laughs> well, like, if you want to find me, you'll find me. But we've got people that just want to be accountants or just want to be general managers or, or CEOs for the business card or the, or the placard on their the desk. Status, right? Or like, yeah, like you said, people are staying in relationships um, because, you know, it's safe. Like, I'm comfortable here. She, yep. she loves me. I've got a safe home. Yep. Um, when they're taking, like, potentially, like, if we, I use my relationship, for example, I'm the happiest ever. But if I was someone who, you know, was just staying with somebody because I thought it was the right thing, you ta- you're taking away from them, aren't you? You're taking away from your partner and kind of holding the restraints on them. 100%. Like, it's not love. That's not loving. That's not kind. You know, mm. Towards myself or them. Yeah. So yep. we both suffer in that. And so Absolutely. that's that fear, the fear of, well, what might happen if I leave her? She might get upset. You know, what might happen if I leave her? I might not find another one the same. Same with the job, mm. same with, the, you know, any endeavor. So that's that one. And then the third one, which I'll just touch on quickly, is what we call the fear of worthlessness, which we see in a lot of blokes, which is that I'm not good enough story. You know, so I need to do more, be more, have more, achieve more in order to one day feel like I'm successful or one day feel like I've made it. You know, but exactly like you said, we just keep pushing the goalposts back on ourselves and that day never comes and I just keep beating on myself because I'm never the person that I, my mind keeps telling me I need to be. Yeah. And so what would you say to someone? Because I know a lot of the community right now, for example, probably more relevant ever, what you just spoke about is right now when people are losing their careers, losing their jobs, losing their salaries. 100%, for these yeah. people that are stuck in this mind frame of I'm not good enough or what if, Unfortunately, the what if has happened for a lot of people now. What's just one, 
and I'm not someone to give out tips, but what's one tool that you can give somebody when they are struggling with that? I'm not good enough. I've just lost my career. I've gone from, because what, what I'm terrified of, Anthony, is we obviously work in the mental health space. We're going to see a 400% spike in suicides uh, predicted from coronavirus from mm-hmm. let's use Billy Bob again, because you know, he's a business owner. He's a provider for his family through this business. He's always identified as a business owner. Now all three of them have been taken away from him. What's one tool combining your three fears that you just spoke about that would help Billy get through this situation? So, man, for us, I, I, I like the fact that you're not about tips or tools, right? Like, because I don't want to band-aid it or give you a strategy to try mm. and avoid that. Let's actually look at what's really going on here. Billy Bob, you've obviously based your worth and your sense of self in this job or in this title or in this pay packet, yeah? And so, of course, if I've done that, then I am really in a really precarious position if that gets taken away. You know, I somehow think I'm less of a human being because I've lost my job, you know? And so that puts me on this treadmill to continually need to improve or get that back or whatever it might be. I guess what we're mm. saying is that... <sighs> Like you're not your job, you're not your title, you're not your pay packet. That's not who you are at your core, mm. right? They're not going to talk about that at your eulogy, you know. No. Um, <laughs> hopefully, <laughs> imagine that. Hopefully, there's imagine that. More to say, right? Hopefully, there's <laughs> yeah. more to say. He was um, he was such a great general manager. Yeah, yeah. It's such a shame yeah. he's gone. <laughs> he heard blah blah blah. Right? He had this yeah. much in super when he died. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? This is the shit people are killing themselves over though, right? Yeah. My identity is tied up in, in this story that that somehow makes me a valuable human being. So mm. I'd bring it right back and kind of go, like, you made that up to start with. Like, at no point in time did the government, well, that I'm aware of, did the government issue you with a, you know, identity card saying not good enough or fraud and defective yeah. or here's you, I'm a fucking loser official stamp that never happened Mm. you made it up you know what i mean you know compare two newborn babies to me tell me which one's more valuable Mm. like you can i um so what i'm seeing now and i'm I'm so so in love with what i'm seeing is uh so mum and dad whichever one it is that was the career-driven partner in a relationship you know was in the office till 6 p.m uh me and my partner we're only just talking about and now in the parks or out in the in the front yard teaching their kids to ride bikes so it's like that's who you are like that's who you are you were never general manager billy you were always the dad who just happened to be a general manager so now it's is your time to slip into that role because that's who you are at the 100 percent. and 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 i would even say and not even dad like you know like Mm. i don't know the way i describe it man is kind of like when i was five i had different thoughts you know i was thinking about bmx bikes and trucks and whatever you know, when I was yeah. 15, I had different thoughts. I was thinking about, well, for me, smoking bongs and girls and getting up to mischief, right? <laughs> uh, when I was 21, different thoughts again. 25, different thoughts again. 35, different thoughts again. So clearly, I am not my thoughts, yeah? Mm. You can't tell me what you're thinking at 7.15 a.m. this morning, let alone in 1996, right? Yeah. So that's not yeah. who I am. But I have these thoughts that continually tell me you need to do this, you need to do that, you should be this person, you should be there by now. Oh my God, old mate over there has got a better car than you, blah, 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 blah. And I begin to identify with these thoughts that just run through my head and I make this story about who I'm supposed to be. So you're not those thoughts, right? Similarly, you're not the body, you're not my body. My body was very different at 5 and 10 and 15 and 25 and 35 and it's going to continue to change. On a cellular level, we know it changes basically entirely every seven years, right? 
However, within that, the entire time through all the shit you've been through, there is a part of you that has remained the same. There's a part of you that know that was with you that whole fucking time and they are completely imper- like they're completely perfect and untouched. And that is who you are and that is not your job and that is not your failures and that is your successes or your ex-girlfriend fucking story, whatever it is. And mm. that is the where we should be living from continually. Yeah, you can see those pers- those people that live in that in that state they they glide across the 100%. earth like when you were living from a like a like i identified as a carpenter for a long time yep. and then i identified as a rugby league player and then i and now that i'm identifying as matt regardless yeah. i'm i'm floating like i cruise through every single day i can do a 16 hour day and not and just like that was the best day ever yep. whereas if, if i was still identifying as matt the carpenter and i did a 16 hour day I'd be like i hate my life like this is the worst yep. Which is really interesting. Now, I want to touch on something that I would really like to get your opinion on. It's something we do with every time we have a conversation is we are obviously called Human Connection Project. You're well-versed on that and we've had discussions around that. But our, our pillars that we use to measure, to, to build, to forge and definitely to, I guess, propagate and build human connection is empathy, leadership and empowerment. And they're three very defining pillars for us in everything we do. What we like to say is we battle test every decision we make in the business against those pillars. So it used to be for me I battle test against my values. I've turned into more of a pillar man myself and this is what we – so I'd love to see what Anthony thinks about empathy, leadership and empowerment because I really like the different spin everyone puts on those those three words and emotions. Mate, um, this will probably give a, a really good insight into the lens that I, I look at life through because my answer would probably be similar for all three. Um, Definitely. <laughs> I, like, Definitely. For, for empathy, the only way I can ever experience empathy or have any empathy, I, I need to first understand that and have a felt experience of that for myself. You know, like, and I, if I want real empathy, yeah, if I really yeah. want to empathize, I want to be able to practice, you know, love and kindness for self. And so if I can generate love and kindness for self, then quite naturally I'm going to begin to practice love and, you know, empathy for others or the world at large, if that makes sense. If I'm completely fear-based, survival focus and running myself into the ground, like maybe in this corona situation or maybe just in general life, like I'm probably going to be approaching other people the same way. It'll feel like a competition. It'll feel like I've got to be better than you or worse than you, like, you know, or blah, 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 right? Whereas if I can have genuine empathy for myself and go, you know what? I'm just a bloke that's doing his best, you know, like, and honestly, at, at the core of it, that's what we're all doing always. Yeah. You know, like I'm just a bloke that's doing his best and I kind of really want to love and support myself in that. Then chances are, if I practice that for long enough, I'm going to have that for others and I'm going to have that for my community and the world at large. Yeah, definitely. We always try to say empathy, uh, empathy, leadership or empowerment, no matter which pillar, you first have to show it for yourself before you can kind of understand it. So empathy for self, empathy for others is kind of our order. Yeah, well. So that's why I don't tell people that. I like to get Yeah, you know what? I was actually going to ask you and then I went, well, he's hit me with it, so let's just go. Um. (laughs) (laughs) That's it. I like it. Very good. Very good. That's why people gel. Like when people are on the same journeys and I, I don't use the word journey in the sense that a lot of people will. Mm-hmm. It's not an Instagram cap. Like journey isn't an Instagram caption for me. <laughs> like journey for me is like 
every day. Like we've been in this space for longer than, you know, I can remember. Like this is what I did when I was a carpenter. I was always about connection. Uh, and now that it's now that it's needed in society, <clears throat> we're seeing it left, right and centre. Everyone wants to talk about journeys. And like for journey for me is like this is the blood and bones, like bleeding in this space every day, just trying to make impact and change how people see the world. Yeah, well, um, so that's when, that's when people gel and, and when people say for self first and for others, I'm like, yes. Yeah, well, it has to be. <laughs> I get it. It has to be. It has to be, yeah. yeah. There's no other way, well, right? It kind of falls back on the movie line of like you got to love yourself before you love others and I call bullshit to a sense on that but when it comes to these three pillars like you have to be able to show them for yourself you have to totally you can't you can't lead something like I'll let you go into leadership but you can't lead someone before you lead yourself to make these decisions yeah man that's exactly what I was going to say on the leadership point right like it's I don't know for me I guess just some of my own experience in the past I guess I kind of worshiped some false gurus you know, I guess I kind of worshipped some people that were all about, you know, the talk or whatever, As I guess, as leaders. Um, and what I, what I began to see was in, in many cases there's a lot of people that say the right things but don't practice what they're saying in their real life. You know what I mean? And for me, that's not real leadership. If you just get up and have the answers and spook the answers and say the stuff but you're not walking the talk behind the scenes, you're not, that's mm-hmm. not real leadership. And, you know, kind of to what you're saying, for me, the difference these days at least is I look for the person that's actually leading themselves because they're being about it in their life. You know, that's a real And I don't have to tell you that I'm a leader. You know what I mean? I don't have to sell you that I'm a leader. Like if I'm someone that can lead you, you'll just feel that. You know what I mean? And you'll just feel drawn to it and you'll just go, oh, I know that guy's the real deal. I don't really know why he's the real deal. You know, I just know that he's got something that I want. And so for me, that's what I kind of, I guess that's how I seek leadership or that's how I, you know, that's what's important to me, I guess, around that, you know, like yeah, leading is going first, right? Like when I just think of the word leading and lead, it's like I'm in front of you, like I'm with you mm-hmm. on the journey, but I'm kind of shining the light, right? And you're yeah. taking the steps with us. I'm not telling you what to do. I'm not forcing myself. And that goes for myself too. I'm not just beating myself up. It's like I'm... Um, supporting myself through this process yeah, yeah definitely well like Shep you know someone gave me an analogy probably three years ago now around leadership and it was Shep shepherds don't tell the sheep where to go do they oh you know so it's, it's good. like they're the they're the ultimate leader they just go and sheep follow 100 percent because they have trust and respect and love and and they know that yeah got their best interest at heart well, animals are such a beautiful creature to watch. Like you watch someone who's got a really good connection with their dog uh, post-puppy stage yeah. and no no lead, like you're the dog's leader, it will just it will follow you yeah. and it will, go, it will go to hell and high earth to follow you and that's an animal. Like that's, that's the sign of leadership for me is when, a, when an animal will follow you and take your lead, it's like that's a leader, wow. not, someone who's on a, not, not someone on a stage yelling at you for 72 hours. Totally, man. Totally. I, I really like that. And that, that's, that's something you can't fake, right? You can't fake the dog no. following you. You can't pretend that. You can't, you know, do yeah. a photo. Got the little bit of fishing it. line. Correct. <laughs> right? yeah. you, you can't fake that shit. That's really cool, man. Yeah, I like that. Yeah. Um, empowerment. Talk to me. I guess for me, the, 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 the whole thing around power 
is something that uh, I did struggle with for a while. I thought power and powerful and being a man and being masculine was about having power over my environment, you know, and having power over people in my life and having power over myself. Like I forced my body to train and I forced my body to eat and I, you know, I want people to bend to my will to be this man and this big powerful masculine. Mm. And um, what I've learned is that, you know, when I thought that I was actually really scared inside and what I've also known is, you know, other men or women that I interact with and that have, you know, come to know when they act like that too, it's also because they're really scared inside. If I have to have power over something, it's because I probably don't trust it and, um, and I don't trust myself within that. So I'm going to try and exert force. Yeah. In order to want to fight anything, I need to be scared. I need to be in fear. So I guess empowerment for me is learning to have power with, you know, power with myself, right? So power, like, you know, and, and that might be as simple as connecting with my body, you know, and going, hey, do we feel like doing the extra workout today? You know, what are we feeling or what's going on? And, and I'm in power, I'm, I'm having power and, and I guess uh, connection with my body. And then I'm also having power and connection with my clients or my staff or my team or my partner, Right? It's not this power battle where I'm better than you or you're better than me or we're doing this. It's like I want to um, connect with you and then we're both more powerful right? and then we're both empowered because we can both do this for ourselves to a greater good rather than me trying to control things because when I do that, I always end up out of control ultimately, yeah. <laughs> you know, which is the yeah. exact opposite of being powerful. The irony. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> And so, yeah, man, like, and, and I guess in, the empowerment for me, it's always got to, uh, yeah, okay, that's it. It's got to come from a place of, of love rather than a place of fear. If I'm trying to control anything from a place of fear because I'm scared of missing out or have to make something happen or, you know, I'm not, not going to be enough, it's not empowering. It's disempowering. Whereas if I'm making a choice because it's loving and it's going to add to me and the world and the community at large, then that's probably more empowering and it's loving, right? So now I feel... I get, I get strength and a sense of power in that. I guess that's the difference between a leader and a boss. Yeah. Yeah. So like bosses are just fear driven and I've had bosses like just fear driven, like do this work or you're out. Whereas the leader is just so caring. Like, and a leader can be someone at the bottom of the business, but is the person responsible for the productivity of the entire workforce? Absolutely. And you know what? Like it's, there's, I feel like there's a shift, but there are a lot of bosses that have made a lot of, you know, uh, you know, gotten really far, I guess, externally. However, I can guarantee you there's very few that feel really happy and content, fulfilled within themselves. You know, yeah. like they're the, they're the unhappy millionaires that you hear. Got it, about. Man. You got it. We see a lot of them sitting here. <laughs> yeah. yeah, they need to come get the inner work. <laughs> Hey, um, in, in kind of wrapping up, I guess, yep. towards the end of the episode, yep. human connection, the definition of human connection is different for absolutely everybody, um, from somebody who does inner work with people through to a tradie through to a doctor, and everyone has their own opinion on human connection. What, is, what does human connection mean to you? Because we talked offline about incidental human connection, and it's something we both really, you know, are both passionate about, I guess would be the word. Absolutely. What's what's human connection mean? It doesn't have to be a definition, but just what does it mean to you? I mean, like, so connection for me is something that uh, obviously is a human need. Like, we don't, we cannot thrive without it. I don't care who you are, unless you 
having experiencing genuine connection, like you, you're not going to be living your best life, full stop, or in your best health, full stop. Um, so it's absolutely necessary. Yeah. Mm. Um, which I know I don't need to convince you of. Uh, <laughs> we see what happens when people are disconnected, right? They end up dying, you know, like, yeah. Um, and yep. so uh, I guess my definition of it or at raw, rawest would be, you know, like, and a big thing we talk about would be just feeling safe to be myself, you know, with, with another yeah, human like being, that. you know, just feeling like safe that. to just be me. You know, just mm. be myself, whatever that is. You and, catch yourself in that flow state. Yeah, well, at that point is where connection occurs, right? All the masks are off, yeah. all the roles are off. I'm not just saying, oh, yeah, pretty good, mate. How are you? Like, um, you know, like there's actual connection because we're both just being real and authentic. And you know, those words are thrown around a lot too. So that's where I just say, you know, safe to be yourself. Like I'm just. Yeah, I love that. Go there. Yeah. That's a really good way of putting human connection. I don't think I've had it articulated like that. So human connection for, for those that need clarity. Human connection is when you are feeling safe to be yourself, you know, within your within your community, group, tribe, whatever we want to call With it. And everyone knows. Yeah, yeah and you know, you know that feeling when you get there. Like, like I know that feeling when I first felt it. I was singing Whitney Houston skipping down the, the hallways of a construction site and I was just like, fuck it. Wow. So good. Like I don't care. So good. <laughs> I don't care anymore. And I think we all know the opposite too, right? We all know the disconnection. Like it's when we're pretending, you know, or when the mask, exactly, when the masks are on, right? Like, and it's, you know, it's all lovely and I don't have to feel vulnerable and I don't have to share the thing with you that I'm scared to say, but I do not feel connected. Mm. What I'm fearful of is the word vulnerable. And it's a word we use, we use almost daily. Yeah. I'm scared that we're going to f- almost flip the switch if we keep, you know, just saying the word vulnerable without defining it. So vulnerability to me, and, and I'd love to hear yours, so vulnerability is just the ability to just let yourself go, let your emotions out, be genuine with someone. And I, and like you said, gets thrown around a lot. But like vulnerability is like sitting down with your partner and be like, yeah, look, I'm feeling like shit today. This is why I'm feeling like yep. shit. I don't want you to solve it for me. I just feel like I need to get this off my chest and, and open it up because what I'm scared about is we're going to end up with a society of kindergarten kids just like, running around but i'm feeling it i'm vulnerable i'm feeling it but no one's actually being vulnerable yeah totally totally so for me it would be you know we part of the process we take our clients through is like they have to get very very vulnerable with some of the you know the like all the skeletons in their closet right deepest shit stuff they've sworn they'd never tell another soul so for me vulnerability would Mm -hmm. be saying the thing or sharing the thing yeah, yeah, that's good. Open the cupboard door. Please. Let the skeletons. Fall. Yeah, yeah, and in in the right context as well. Don't go to Coles and say, you know what, I'm having a really hard day today because <laughs> we'll check out chick. Like, you know, like I, I felt like ending it last night because of stuff that happened in grade seven. Like, not yeah. time and place, obviously yeah. in a safe space. But um, yeah. yeah, saying the thing when you, when it comes up, mm. you know, it's listening. That's perfect. Yeah, that's it. And friend and people will have those friends where they feel that <laughs> vulnerability, hey, and I just like urge them to lean into that. Like everyone's got those certain friends where they can tell absolutely anything yeah. and that's where we need to be pushing into that right now. But, man, the other thing I would say on that is that perhaps some people don't. 
you know, yeah. and that's where it's really important to find like a professional or someone that's non-biased mm. where you can actually have those conversations if you don't feel safe to with your friends. I do believe, you know, most people will have friends where it's possible, but whether or not they mm. actually have the courage to try that there is another thing. So maybe you can, Yeah, it's such a good point. Yeah. Such a good point. I completely agree. Yeah. Maybe they could start with someone who's actually experienced non-biased and actually it's their job mm. to, to keep you safe in that and have an unconditional positive regard for you. Like, yeah. And that's really yeah, nice I'm such a big fan it. of, I'm such a big fan of like the likes of therapists and psychologists. Cause I think as a nation, yeah. right. And our, and our goal to put simply for, for you is to build Australia's and, one day globally the largest proactive mental health organization as a nation like we have got the best reactive system i think and i haven't traveled much to be fair and honest but i think our our reactive mental health and just our reactive health system is phenomenal so i I definitely agree with you like go speak to psychologists everyone should see a therapist whether you need it or not like people go to pts like guys with six packs still go to pts like you're obviously fit well, man, exactly. Out, like, you, you know, speaking to your vision, and I love that, the proactive nature rather than the reactive because, you know, we've got, we've got a really, you're right, we've got a really, really, really awesome sick care system, right? Yeah. Not such a great yeah. healthcare system. Yeah. Anyway, we won't get into that. Um, but, yeah, that's um, another episode. Our vision, yeah, that's another three episodes. The, uh, <laughs> the um the where, where was I going with that? The oh yeah. So our vision would be like you mentioned the gym thing would be seeing people and making inner work as mainstream as people just going to the gym. You know, mm. like making it just so normal that you know everyone has a PT, everyone has a gym membership or a studio membership these days. It's like we see our vision is everyone doing their inner work the same way yeah. that everyone talks about going to their PT. Yeah, and go tell everyone. Of like, just go tell your like of course you. Why yeah. wouldn't you? Like. Of course, yeah. Not. Like I tell people when I go to a new PT, it's like, oh, I've got this new PT is fantastic. They post it on their but socials, you- right? They go to the therapist <laughs> and they're like <laughs> in the car park, like, shit, I hope nobody knows me. <laughs> yeah. Crazy. Imagine if you didn't, you don't have to worry about SEO ever again. Exactly. It's crazy. <laughs> yeah. It's crazy. Oh man, I think that's such a perfect point to to sort of end on. But one thing I like to do, and I I got it from Mark Burris, who's someone I kind of really enjoy listening to talk, sure. is the opportunity for the guest. And I use the word guest lightly because I like this to just be conversational, like where there's two mates having a chat. But the guest who asks myself a question, and a thinking in the world. Oh man, I didn't even know this was coming. Uh, yeah. <laughs> on the spot, which makes me more nervous than you. <laughs> yeah, cool. But that, that opens up the connection. That shows you the real deal. Uh, what are you most scared of? Oh, physically, I'm most scared of snakes, but that's not what I want to answer with. But that's my physical biggest sure. fear. Like I kind of in the same postcode as a snake. <laughs> um, but what I'm most scared of as a person is I'm most scared of in 10 years' time, when my kids are old enough to understand what I do for them not to see that dad stood up when the world was falling down. Wow. That's probably my biggest fear is like, it makes me emotional to see about now. Like my biggest fear is when I tell my kids what I do for a job that I can show them the impact that we've had on the suicide rates and the, the, cases of mental illness uh, in Australia. So yeah, my biggest fear is my kids not being proud of the person I am. Wow. Awesome, man. Thank you. Yeah, that's <laughs> very cool. That's hectic. Yeah, that was good. Man. <laughs> I like that. That was very. And you can tell, you can tell when someone positions a question by what they kind of 
doing their careers yeah, totally. and their yeah. life, how deep it is. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, that's awesome. I'm super grateful for having you on the show today. I think I I know there's some real nuggets in there for people, and especially right now around that fear element that you guys work into because people are super scared right now, but they're not sure what they're scared exactly. of. Exactly. And it might be one of those those elements that you speak into. Mate, yeah, I'm very grateful for the opportunity. Thank you very much, Matty. We'll jam again uh, sometime soon, that's for sure, brother. Cool, brother. Hey, guys, and thanks for listening to another episode of the Human Connection Project podcast. I know and we know times are very difficult and, dare I say it, unprecedented right now. So I would urge you now more than ever to lean into your friends, lean into your community, and make sure we're connecting to each other because we will make it out of this, but we need to be standing metaphorically hand in hand right now. If this has stirred any emotions to you, please make sure you reach out to a loved one or Lifeline on 13 11 14. And remember, how good's living.